Welcome everybody, my name is DJ Martin, church pastor here at Parker Ford Church. Thank you so much for joining us for this weekend's worship service. It's great to have you with us. Whether you're a member of Parker Ford or just joining us online, welcome. We hope you engage and enjoy the content from today's service. Today we're continuing our series called Costly Faith, and we'll be in part two of a two-part teaching, Faith When I'm Scared. Last week we looked at Abraham going through a couple situations where he lied because he was afraid. This week we'll be looking at Jesus towards the end of his life when he is facing death, when he's facing the fearful uh, reality of crucifixion and how he walked in faith um, even through that time of deep fear and deep terror. Throughout the morning service, we want to invite you to engage the content. We don't want this to just be something that you sit back and watch. We want it to be something that in your own mind and in your own spirit with the people that you're with, if you're in, a, in community or if you're by yourself um, with the Lord, that you are engaging the content. And so there's going to be opportunity today to pause the video and have times of discussion with discussion questions. We have a memory verse we're working on. And you'll have uh, different prompts and times to pause the video and work on those. Our memory verse that we've been working on the last several weeks comes from Galatians 2.20, this famous verse that Paul writes to the Galatian church about faith. I'm going to read it, and then I want to invite you to pause the video and work on memorizing it. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You can go ahead and pause the video and work on your memory verse. And just a quick tip, I don't know about you, but so many of the verses that I've memorized, especially when I was a kid, I memorized because there was music behind it or a song. So maybe this is an opportunity if you're with kids or family to make up a song and make up some motions to go with it. Regardless, pause the video and work on the memory verse and then join us for the rest of today's service. Our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 23, when David was presumably facing a time of fear. He wrote this uh, famous passage, one of the most, uh, probably the most famous psalm, one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. And I felt like it was the appropriate psalm to read for the content, uh, considering where we're at in our journey, our faith journey today. So I want to invite you to stand and let's read Psalm 23 together, starting in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You can be seated. Our first opportunity to engage with uh, some questions and reflection and conversation today um, is around the following questions. So I want to invite you to reflect on these questions and then you can join us for today's sermon. Do you think Jesus ever felt fearful? I think it's a good question to wrestle through. I mean, there's many times, several times that I can think of right off the top of my head where Jesus says to his disciples, do not be afraid. 
Or why were you afraid? He asked them, why were you afraid? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what my father can do? So do you think that, that Jesus was a, ever fearful himself or ever felt fearful? What are some things Jesus said about fear? When you think about how he engaged people who were afraid, what are some of the things that Jesus said? And is there a situation you are currently facing in your own life that is causing you to be afraid? Go ahead and have a conversation around these and then join us for this morning's sermon. In today's teaching, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be examining the last night of the first king of Israel, that's King Saul, and the last night of the last and final king, the true king, the eternal king, Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at the difference between how they both faced their impending death. Both of them knew it was coming. Both of them experienced uh, a deep amount of uh, dread leading towards it, or, or certainly not wanting to walk through it. And how did these two kings handle it? This is the second part in our two-part teaching, Faith When I'm Scared. And so we're going to look at King Saul facing the fear of death and King Jesus, the Messiah, facing fear and death. Before we look at these two stories, let's pray and invite the Lord to teach us today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the example of your Son, who did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but laid down his life for us willingly. This is the example of our king when facing his own death, when facing the fearful prospect of crucifixion. Father, thank you for his example. Continue to shape us more and more into the image of Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to start with the story of Saul, King Saul, the first king of Israel. This is at the end of his life. Now, the the book of 1 Samuel, up until this point, has been about the ministry of the prophet Samuel. And then uh, it was about the the reign of King Saul. And then David enters in to the picture. He's anointed as the the next king. And a lot of the story through um, parts of the book of 1 Samuel are King Saul uh, sort of chasing David to try and uh, kill David, which is unsuccessful. Now, in 1 Samuel 28, we're going to pick up towards the end of, uh, of King Saul's life. This is right at the end of his life, the night um, before his death. It says in 1 Samuel 28, now, as we go into this text, before I read it, I want you to think about how Saul handles this news, the news of his death, and how he spends his time, and then we'll look at the story of Jesus as he walks uh, through um, the garden as he drinks the cup and, and sort of compare the difference between these two kings. First Samuel chapter 28, verse 3. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town at Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shinnim, where Saul gathered all Israel and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid and terror filled or gripped his heart. Now there's that little hint in verse 3 that that is going to be important that Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. In, In other words, all the witches and anyone who was practicing witchcraft, 
he and Samuel had expelled them from the land. Skipping ahead uh, to verse 15, what happens is that Saul, filled with terror, the terror gripping his heart, remember this is faith when I'm afraid, so Saul, filled with fear, he sends men to find a medium, a witch, who will uh, consult for him, for him the spirit of Samuel. Now, they have trouble finding one because he himself had kicked them out of the land earlier, but his men are able to track down a woman, um, the medium of indoor, and they, they find this woman and there's a series of events that happen where she is uh, tricked. Saul shows up in disguise um, and pays her to call up the spirit of Samuel, which she does. And what's so crazy about this story is Samuel, his spirit, actually shows up. So here in uh, 1 Samuel 28, Verse 15, it says, Samuel, the spirit of Samuel has appeared. And he said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I am in great distress. Saul said, he said, I, I called you up because I'm afraid. I called you up because I'm in great distress. The Philistines are fighting against me and God has departed from me. He no longer answers me either by prophets or by dreams. So I've called on you to tell me what to do. Samuel said, why do you consult me now that the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy? In other words, Samuel saying, I'm the prophet of the Lord. I can't give you anything if the Lord is, not, uh, is withholding his presence from you, is withholding his voice from you. Verse 17, the Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David, because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites. The Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone, for he had eaten nothing all day and all that night. When the woman came to Saul and saw that he was greatly shaken, she said, Look, your servant has obeyed you. I took my life in my hands and did what you told me to do. Now please listen to your servant and let me give you some food so you may eat and have strength to go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his men joined the woman in urging him and he listened to them. He got up from the ground and sat on the couch. The woman had a fattened calf at the house which she butchered at once. She took some flour, kneaded it, and baked bread without yeast. Then she set it before Saul and his men, and they ate. That same night, they got up and left. So this is how Sam, Saul, excuse me, the first king of Israel, spends his last night. He's filled with terror and dread. He's, um, he's in conversation with a spiritist, a medium, a witch. He's calling up a dead spirit. He's seeking advice even as the Lord has closed off his voice. He's so filled with terror and dread, he won't even eat. Now let's skip forward in history and let's look at the story of Jesus, who also is facing his death. And even as the, the Philistines, uh, this powerful army, were bearing down on the Israelites and Saul, filling him with terror, all the forces of evil and darkness, the spiritual and the spiritual places, as well as, you know, all the people who are conspiring against Jesus are bearing down on them. He knows he's about to die, and this is how our true king responds. We're going to pick up in Luke chapter 22. And Jesus went, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to him, said to them, 
Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Earlier in the service, I invited us to reflect on the question, do you think that Jesus was ever afraid? And I I don't know how to answer that. I'm not sure. He certainly feared the Lord um, completely. I'm not sure that he was ever afraid of anyone or anything, but here... He, it's, it's, if it's not fear, it's right on the edge. It's as close as you can get. It's, it's being in anguish, pleading with the Lord that if it's possible that there be another way, that, that the cup would pass. And then this, this image, this famous image of Jesus in such great anguish that he's sweating drops of blood. There's drops of blood coming. Now, when, when Saul spent his last night, he's with a witch, and he's calling up a dead spirit, and his, uh, he has some close advisors, soldiers, bodyguard there with him, and he refuses to eat. Now, they stay awake with him through the night, and they prepare a meal for him, and they encourage him. Jesus, the true king, his disciples uh, fall asleep. Even as he urges them to pray with him, they, uh, they fall asleep. And he's left isolated and alone. But the Lord himself uh, ministers through an angel. It says in verse 43, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. But even after that, in verse 44, still being in anguish, he prayed even more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. In the Mark account of it, um, actually, I want to look at Mark 4 real quick. Um, where Jesus says uh, to not be afraid. And I want to think about this with, with Jesus having faith. He's the author and perfecter of our faith, even as he's walking through this anguish and the fear. In Mark 4, this is where he calms the, the storm. And it's an interesting reversal of the garden experience. So in the garden, Jesus is awake and he's asking his disciples to stay awake and pray with him. On the boat, Jesus is asleep, and his disciples are wanting him to be awake. It's an interesting role reversal. So in Mark 4, verse 35, it says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were, were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So here we have the king, Jesus, asleep in a boat while the storm is happening. His disciples are are freaking out. Why why don't you care? Jesus exercises his authority over creation and miraculously calms the storm just with the sound of his voice. We know that all things were brought into creation through the word of God, through, through Jesus, the son of God. And now he has authority. He's exercising his authority over creation. And he says to the disciples, why were you so afraid? 
do you still have no faith? And so here he's connecting fear and faith, just like in chapter 15 of Genesis, fear and faith are connected for Abram, which we looked at last week, where God said to Abram, do not be afraid. And then a few verses later, it says that Abram believed God and it was credited credited to him as a righteousness. Here Jesus says, do, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith in this word? Of course, if you've been tracking with us in the series, you guessed it. It is the Greek word pistis. Do you still have no faith? Belief, trust, loyalty, obedience, a steadfast trust in who I am. And now they're afraid, but instead of being afraid of the storm, it says they were terrified of God. There's a, there's a fear of God. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? And so their fear of the physical thing is replaced now um, in its rightful place, a fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of worship. I think all of these stories illustrate something about faith and about fear that's so important. And I wanted to juxtapose, I wanted to um, look at the two stories of these two kings. King Saul, who's facing his death and it says in the passage of 1 Samuel 28, which we read a couple times, that he was gripped with fear. He was very afraid when he saw the Philistines, when he thought about his coming death and knew that the Lord had removed his presence. He's filled with terror. And you can almost picture him similar to Christ, begging God, who won't answer him, begging him to take this cup from him, that he couldn't bear it. Jesus, who's also facing his death, a brutal prospect of crucifixion and all of the pain and the loneliness and the betrayal that's about to come him, he's, he's in the garden, he's on his face, and he too, a king facing his death, is praying. And he too is sweating, sweating in so much anguish that it's said to be drops of blood. But Jesus doesn't just say, take this cup from me. He doesn't just say, let this pass from me. He says, yet not my will, yours be done. Not my will, yours be done. This is the king. This is the king who calmed the storms. This is the king who, who could have called a legion of angels to rescue him, who could have spoken a word and everyone would have bowed and fallen before him if he exercised that authority. And yet to restore relationship, the broken relationship, the broken faith, the broken trust, the broken love, between humanity and God, he lays down his life. He drinks the full cup of God's will, God's wrath, and takes upon himself the sins of the world. This is the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He lays his life down willingly, he says in John 10. None can take it from me. The shepherd, the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is our king. And when he faced death, when he faced all of the terror and the anguish, his faith, his belief, his trust, his hope, his obedience of the Father was rock solid. Which is why the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus is the author and the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. You want to know what it's like? You want to know what it means to be a person of faith? Look at this man. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. As we reflect on these uh, stories and the scripture today, I want to invite you to reflect on the following questions. What differences do you notice between how the two kings faced fear and death? Do you think that Jesus was afraid in the garden? And what does this story teach you about fear 
um, about what it means to be a person of faith even as you walk through fear. So go ahead and reflect on these questions and I want to invite you to join us for the benediction of today's service. Reflecting on these two stories and these two kings is something that I've done many times over the last decade. It's uh, sort of a, a comparison between the way that Jesus is, the one true king, versus how uh, every other human leader is in the flesh, where we're so prone towards worrying about our own lives, where Jesus was so concerned about the will of his father and then the care for his flock, including you and me. And so in closing, I want to read from Romans chapter 8, famous verses that talk about where Paul is uh, speaking to the Roman church about we have not been given a spirit of fear, uh, but a spirit of adoption. So I want to read these words as our benediction and blessing this morning as we close our service. So from Romans 8, starting in verse 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope today's teaching has been a blessing to you. I want to pray that your faith continues to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ, our true King, and the God the Father, that his spirit fills you. Have a great day. Go with God. Be blessed.